That was scary, wasn't it? But you know what else is scary? It's when we go through life carrying things we're never meant to carry and haunted by things, either from our past, things that we've done or things people have done to us or insecurities that we deal with day after day. Those are some of the things we're going to talk about in this new series starting today called Haunted. It's not a pretty thing to live haunted. Now, you may not deal with everything we're going to talk about in this series. Maybe you don't have this past that haunts you where you did something or someone did something to you. And maybe you don't live daily with insecurities and fears. But there is something that every person in this room deals with. No matter how young or old, no matter your economic status, what kind of job you have, you deal with what I'm going to talk about today. And that is evil. We are all affected by evil in one way or another. See, there's this spiritual battle that is really literally taking place that that every time someone steps into the light, steps into the family of God, steps into doing what's right, evil is right there pulling and tugging and trying to get them to get you to come back and step into the darkness. And that's a battle that every person in this room whether you deal with anything else we're talking about, this is foundational to being haunted because all of us are haunted by evil. Evil has a literal being that's in charge, and his name is Satan. Anybody ever heard of the Barna Group? The Barna Group does these really cool research uh, surveys uh, to Christians and, and to people who are church, not church, anti-church, whatever, and and then they publish them on, if you go to Barna.org, you can look up the one I'm going to quote from today, but they found that over half the people who identified themselves as Christians, 55%, said that they did not believe in a literal being called Satan. Now, these aren't just people on the street. These are people who say, are you a Christian? Yes. Do you believe in Satan? No. 55% of the people said that. They believe that he's just a concept of evil and not a real being. 65% of people who said, yes, I'm a Christian, also said, you know, we don't believe that we are literally influenced by spiritual forces. It's just choices we make and good and bad and and all that comes together to kind of make the world what it is. 65% of people who say, yes, I follow Jesus, but I don't believe in spiritual forces. That doesn't compute. And here's one that really blew me away. 49% of evangelical pastors, that's me, that's us, that's what we are, say that they don't believe in a literal Satan, a literal devil. Now, I'm not part of that 49% because the Bible says something very different when we're talking about evil, when we're talking about this, this being called Satan. Today I'm going to look at several scriptures, so if you're taking notes today, uh, get get your pen and paper out because I'm going to throw a bunch of scriptures at you that talk about this being that you've heard called Satan that you get to see probably knocking on your door next week, you know, asking for some candy. You know, kids dressed up like Satan, they come, they want want candy from you. You're going to see him next week in a lot of different forms. We're going to talk about him today because this is foundational to getting what it means to be haunted by anything else. Satan is real, 
and the Bible says so. There's some Bibles coming down the aisles, going up the aisles right now. If you don't have one, just raise your hand. It's yours to keep. Uh, if you need one, if you're here for the first time, thanks for coming and being part of our church today. We believe the words in there are true. So just raise your hand, take one of those true words of God, and you can read along in there in the scriptures uh, that I talk about, or you can look on the screen. They're also up there. Now, when people are talking about this thing called spiritual warfare, I don't want to freak you out. You know, if you're here for the first time, it's like, okay, this is weird. How much longer does this last? The movie's starting at 1215. It couldn't last too much longer. So I don't want to make you feel all weird that I'm talking about Satan and spiritual warfare. But here's what happens when it comes to spiritual warfare. People either overemphasize it where you're chasing demons and believing there's a demon around every corner and your hair looks bad one day, so like the bad hair demon got a hold of you or something like that. And so it's just, oh, it's a demon. Oh, there's a demon over here and a demon made me do this, a demon made me do that. That's overemphasizing. Every time a, a stone is turned over in the Middle East, somebody's like, it's Armageddon, it's beginning, it's starting. People have been saying that for 2,000 years. Nobody knows when that's really going to happen. That's overemphasizing this spiritual battle and this being called Satan. But you can tend to underemphasize this real spiritual warfare to where you don't really see it as an unseen spiritual battle that's taking place somewhere out of our sight that has influence on us and pulls us one way or the other. I don't want to overemphasize it, and I definitely don't want to underemphasize it. I just want to look at what the Bible has to say about this real spiritual being called Satan that really exists, that has several goals that I'm going to share with you today. I believe he's real because Jesus said he was real. And actually, Jesus came face to face with him in the New Testament and talks to him. So he believed Satan was real. In Scripture, Satan is called... So if he's just a concept, why is he called the father of lies, the prince of darkness? Here's, here's what Jesus said about Satan when he called him a thief. In John chapter 10, the first part of verse 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That's what he wants to do to our lives, steal, kill, destroy, and he's pretty good at it. There's some things he's not good at, I'm going to share with you too, but he's pretty good at stealing, killing, and destroying. So if this being is real, and he really steals, really kills, really destroys, then why do so many people say, I just don't believe in him? Have you ever had anybody say to you, I don't believe in things I can't see? Raise your hand. Have you ever heard someone say, I just don't believe in things I can't see? Now that's not really intellectually honest, because we all believe in things we can't see. So if anybody says that, say, really, you don't believe in things you can't see? Did you fly on an airplane lately? Yeah. Did you see the pilot go through training? Do you know for a fact he wasn't working at Burger King yesterday? Or are you just like, kind of like hoping that he's going to be able to fly that thing to the next destination? You didn't see any of that. You get your email on your phone, yeah, did you see it come in? Did you see it like come? No, it just kind of showed up. And if you're a techie, I know you're like, well, I know how it happens. I know, I know. I don't, Okay. I don't understand that. I just know it shows up and it's cool and I never see it happening. Boom, it just appears. There's things around us happening all the time that we can't see and yet we believe in. I have at my house this hat. And my girls and I have come to call this Dad's Magic Hat. It really is magic. Not just because it guards my bald spot from getting sunburned when I'm out mowing the lawn or something like that. Here's what this hat does. Because normally when I come in after doing something outside and I've got my hat on, I throw it down on the counter. 
But when I go to get my hat again, it's not on the counter. You know where it is? It's on the shelf in my closet. And I didn't put it there. And I didn't see it going across the floor and getting up on the shelf. But it's there every time. And I tell, I tell the girls, hey, where's my magic hat? Oh, there it is. It's where it always is. I left this on the kitchen table. Look, girls, and it was on my shelf in my closet. Magic hat. I didn't see anything happen with this hat other than it made its way back magically. Now, I know where the magic is. Yeah, the magic is my wife picking it up and putting it back. When I told her I was going to talk about my magic hat, she said, you're going to talk about your magic shoes <laughs> and your magic socks and your magic shirt. We got, she's like, we got a lot of magic stuff around this house that nobody seems to know how it gets or where it's supposed to go, but it just shows up. I never see it happen, but somehow the, it gets where it's supposed to be because my wife's doing it. Now, in no way am I comparing my wife to Satan, but we see, we see, that illustration breaks down, so stop thinking about the hat for a minute, okay? So now we see evil in the world. There is, there is something causing that to happen. We see the effects of a real spiritual being, and yet over half the people who say, I follow Jesus Christ, don't believe, and Satan is more than happy to let people not believe in him. He doesn't care. Because you know what? If you don't believe in him, when, it, when evil is encountered in your life, and you don't believe he exists, guess who the enemies become? It takes the focus off him like that. Because then you hate your spouse, or your wife, or, or your boss, or your friends, or your co-workers. You start to hate them, and they become the enemy. You need to, you need to look at the person who you think is your enemy, and you need to think, you are not my enemy. I mean, don't, don't do it right now. Not the time and place. Come talk to me later. We can help you with that. But if you're sitting by the person that's your enemy, just, just say, you're not my enemy. You are not my enemy. Here, here's what the Bible says about that. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. That's in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. And what he's trying to get us to see is, look, you think your battle is against other people, and it's not. Your real battle is a spiritual battle that's taking place between good and evil. And when I read that, in our world, that sounds a little fairy tale-ish, that there's this unseen spiritual battle. You're probably thinking up movies and, and you know, whether it's uh, uh, Lord of the Rings or some kind of big battle that's taking place and... and and that's what we kind of think about. But there is a real spiritual battle. And our challenge is in our culture, where we're very educated, very advanced technologically, it's easy for the belief in the supernatural to be lowered when we have all this stuff at our fingertips. Anybody ever been to a third world country? Who's, who's been to a third world country? I have. Okay. Those of you that have been to a third world country, you know that the spiritual is, there's much more spiritual awareness in a third world country where they don't have the technology or the education or all the other advances that we have. Why is that? It's because as we advance, as we can do more stuff and achieve more, the belief in the supernatural tends to go down. So when people have nothing when they don't have anything to take the place of God or they don't have anything to occupy all 100%, 150% of their time, 
that belief in the supernatural is real because they see it. See, evil doesn't have to get us through seeing it because we got all this other stuff to occupy us. But in third world country, evil right at the people. That's why you hear all these bizarre spiritual stories or you've seen it when you've been in a, in a third world country. So in a lot of ways, our advances are also things that can hurt us if it lowers our belief in the supernatural. This verse in Ephesians 6 tells me that I must fight the right enemy. It's not the people around me. It's not my boss, my spouse. It's evil itself. And you need to fight the right enemy. And if you need to fight the right, in- to fight the right enemy, you've got to know who that enemy is. Now, if someone's asking you about church later today, hey, you went to church, went to that church, LifePoint Church. Yeah, I did. What did you talk about? We learned how to believe in Satan. Really? I mean, when I signed up to be a pastor and said, okay, God, you're calling me to do this, I never thought, I'm going to help people believe that there's a real Satan. I mean, I was thinking on the other side. But the truth is, you've got to learn about your opponent if you're ever going to defeat your opponent. How many people's football team won yesterday? Come on, who won? You don't have to say the team, but your team, only two or three. Well, we know who the fans are in here. How many, how many had your team lose? Your team lost. Yeah, mine too, both of them. The teams that won, I guarantee you, their coach had them over the past several weeks in a room somewhere looking at a TV screen, watching the best plays of the opposing team and learning how to act and react. Hey, when they line up like this, let's line up like this because our play that does that, that's going to put them down and we're going to be able to get a lot of yardage. We're going to be able to pass. We're going to be able to run. We're going to be able to tackle. They studied the plays of the opponent so they could know how to win against the opponent. A good coach does that. And if we're going to learn how to win against evil, we've got to know some of the plays out of Satan's playbook that he uses to haunt us. The first question about Satan might be from you. is like, where did he even come from? That's a legitimate question. What's he even doing here? If God created everything and God's all-powerful, and he's this awesome, amazing God that you read about when you read the creation account in Genesis, then why in the world would God create Satan? Or did he even create Satan? Well, the truth is, he did. God created Satan. But he didn't create Satan to be this evil spiritual being that's out to pull people into hell. He actually created Satan as one of the most beautiful, powerful, high-ranking angels in the spiritual realms. I know this sounds fairy ish but it really is true. That God created Satan to work with him. To be on his team, in his army. And just like God gives all of us choice, angels have choice as well. See, God is a God that wants and desires and longs for love. And for us to be in love with him and love him with our lives. But that can't happen unless you have a choice. You can't make somebody love you, right? You can't say, okay, love me. I mean, some of you are like, man, the world would be a better place if I could do that, I tell you. But you can't do it. Love, love is not something you make someone do. Love is something that has to come out of choice. And the way, same way God says, all of you have a choice whether or not you're going to love me. And that way when you make the choice and you love God, he knows it's real. It's the same thing in the spiritual realm. So these angels, they, had a, they still have a choice, whether or not they're on God's side or evil side. It's their choice. 
Well, Satan was so powerful that he made the choice that he was going to try to overthrow the whole kingdom of heaven and really bring down all that's good. It's, it's recorded in Isaiah 14 where it says, You have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. We're dealing with a being who, what one word came up again and again in what I just read? I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Pride starts with I. Pride starts with me worrying about me, with me making sure that I'm right. And because Satan was so powerful and so beautiful and so full of talent, he looked around one day and thought, you know what? I can do a better job running this place. I think I want to be in charge now. And even some of you, maybe you're a really powerful leader where you are. And anybody in leadership that has influence and God's gifted you with leadership ability or great looks or whatever, it's hard to stay away from pride. I even have a hard time sometimes to to not say, I could do better. I'm better than that. Well, that's nothing. I can do better. All of us that have any kind of a leadership and influence position we struggle with pride because pride starts with thinking that I can do a better job. And that's what Satan thought he could do. Jesus himself witnessed this whole thing. In Luke 10, verse 18, Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. In the book of Revelation, this episode is recorded like this. Chapter 12, verse 7. And there was a war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to earth, and his angels with him. So that's where he came from. That's where God created this beautiful angel, this beautiful angel named Satan or Lucifer thought that he was going to overthrow heaven. So there was this war and evil lost and he was cast out of heaven. So then what's his purpose? If that's who he is and where he came from, what's he trying to do? Now, if you're in a life group, you're going to get to discuss this even deeper. I don't have enough time to go into every little thing about Satan and his demons and and all that whole thing, how it works. I'm going to give you some highlights. If you're in a life group, you're going to get a chance to go even deeper into all these scriptures and this discussion. If you're not in a life group, if you're connected some other way, uh, just uh, email me my uh, email address on the back of the program, and I'll send you the discussion guide so you can can look through this as well. If you're not connected anywhere else, not in a life group, you need to get in one. So Satan has a purpose. First thing his purpose is to be in control. Like anybody who deals with pride, they want to be in control. 1 John 5, verse 19 says, We know we're children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. So how can the world, who we sing about, God's got the whole world in his hands, God's in control, we sing all these songs about that, how can Satan be in control then? 
Because if God's all-powerful, the Bible, and then the Bible says Satan's in control, is the Bible contradicting itself? Is God not as powerful as we think? Well, to understand this passage, you have to understand, in, in Scripture, the word world is used to describe different things, just like we do today. The word world could be used to describe this planet that we're all on. This planet that's going through space and we're all living on it, that's world. The word world can be described, uh, used to describe like what you read in John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the what? World. That's talking about the people. He's not talking about the dirt and the rocks and the water. It's not. It's talking about the people. God loved the world so much, us, people. So the word world used to describe the earth, used to describe people. The word world is also used to describe like a system or an order. And that's the way it's used here. And we use it that way as well. We say the world of sports or the world of baseball. See, Satan has his system of evil that he controls. So in that sense, he is in control of the world. So he wants to be in control. He also has another job, and that's to steal God's word from me. Jesus said, Matthew 13, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. And understand, think think that not fully connected. That's probably a better way to say it. When someone's not fully connected, Satan pulls them away. And we see this all the time because someone will come to church and they're, they're, they're pumped up about Jesus. All of a sudden, they get the LifePoint sticker. They get the T-shirt. I mean, they're like Jesus in the community. And they love it and they're getting involved. And then all of a sudden, you just don't see them for a few weeks. And we're sitting around in leadership meetings and we're like, where's this person? You know, I don't know. You get in touch with them. Yeah, I've been busy. This has been happening. That's been happening. You know what's really been happening? Satan has been snatching God's word out of their heart because he hates for people to get closer to God. And not just people who stop coming to church and stop being involved. All of us. Have you ever tried to just discipline yourself enough to sit down and read the scriptures once a day and not succeeded at it? Anybody besides me, has that ever happened? Well, of course it's going to happen. I mean, we have the capacity to do things every day. You don't get to the end of a day and go, you know, I didn't eat today. Man, I didn't eat breakfast, I didn't eat lunch, I didn't have a snack. It's been four days since I've eaten. I just, honey, I forgot. It's just things got so busy. I didn't, we, so we have the capacity to do something that's repetitious and do it every day. But somehow when we say, you know what, I'm going to jump into that 31 days of patience like we're doing right now at LifePoint. If you're here for the first time, we started this thing back the 1st of October where we're going through the book of Proverbs. There's 31 Proverbs. There's 31 days in the month of October. So we're going to read those one per day. It takes about 50 seconds to read a proverb. And even right now, some of you are going, man, I forgot about that. I've, I like read through day seven. Here we are in 24. I totally forgot. That's what Satan, that's what evil wants us to do. And his job is to snatch God's word from our heart. His job is ultimately to destroy me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 says, Be controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So he's just on the prowl. He's just looking like a, like a big lion out for a gazelle. Just looking. Any gazelle will do. Just get it. That's what he's compared to. 
just lying out, just looking for someone to devour. And here's how he devours people. Two big lies. If he can get us to believe one of these lies, we're really moving towards darkness. First one is the lie of you're worthless. You can't do anything right. Look at your mistakes that you've made. You you think that God's ever going to love you again, that you can ever be accepted again. You really think people don't know that you're a hypocrite. You really think that you all can work this marriage thing out or you can work this friendship out or, or you can stop the addiction. You really, you're, you're worthless. You can't, you haven't been able to stop now, so just live it up. Just enjoy. He wants people to believe that lie, that they are worthless. And if you've ever believed that about yourself, you are believing a lie. No matter what you've done, you're believing a lie. Another lie that he loves for people to believe that he uses to devour people is you're invincible. You're awesome. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Wow. You're hot. You got what this culture says is good looking. You are amazing. In fact, you can be the master of your own life. You don't have to look to anybody else for what you believe. You just, hey, just search deep, deep down inside for that deepest part of you that Oprah says is down there and just look (laughs) and look and look. And and when you find it, That's when you found God, you found your true self, and you don't have to go outside yourself for any belief system because it's all right down deep inside because, hey, you're awesome. That's another lie that he tells people, and if you've ever believed things like that, that it's all about and found in you, you're believing a lie. Satan wants to devour us. That's where he's really crafty. That's where you really have to pay attention. You know, the Bible says that Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So there are things that I might think are good for me that aren't. The Bible says he disguises himself as an angel of light. So that means there are people in the world right now, maybe you, maybe me, that we think something with all of our heart is right, but it's not. That's how he works. That's how he's deceitful. That's how he gets people to believe they're worthless or to believe they're invincible. Don't believe either one of those things. That's his game plan. That's why, he said, that's why the Bible says, be alert. I've had people say to me, hey, how much is too much? How far is too far? Where's the line between? Just pick a sin. And everybody wants to know where the line is. Here's the big question. If you're asking, where's the line? I used to have college kids come to my office all the time and ask this question when I did college ministry. Hey, how far is too far in whatever area? And they would just name an area. I would say, wrong question. Because if I'm, the, if I'm the devil and I'm evil and I want to trick you, then I don't say, hey, there's the line. Don't cross that line or you're doing something awful. I just kind of go, hey, let's erase the line. Let me put it over here. <laughs> so by the time you ask, it's too late. I mean, he is a deceiver. Those are plays right out of his playbook. We've just done what's equivalent of watching a video for one football team to beat another football team. That's what he's trying to do to us. And he loves it when people think, you know, I'll just follow Christ and nothing bad will happen. That's what I'll do. Our marriage will be perfect if we just follow Jesus. I've had people, counselors have told them that. Well, if you just follow Jesus, your marriage will be fine. Well, if that's true, then why do two people who love Jesus with all their heart and want to do right can't seem to get along, can't seem to work it out? Why do two people who love God, love Jesus, and want to do the right thing end up getting divorced? Why does that happen? It happens because of evil. 
Because just because you say I follow Jesus doesn't mean evil goes, you know what, leave that one alone. They've decided to be good, so we lost that one, let's leave them alone. It doesn't stop there. So how do I fight to win this real battle that takes place? Because we're all soldiers. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a soldier. And in this room, there are people who are following Christ. Some of you are considering following Christ. And maybe someone dragged you here. I don't know. But either way, we're all here and we're listening. Here's what the Bible says we need to do. Now, this is in language that we don't speak. A lot of metaphors in here. But listen and go home and really get in depth in this scripture in this one section I'm going to read in Ephesians 6, beginning at verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your guard, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. That that scripture is full of ways that we can get ourselves ready to fight. But the most important word that you need to get out of that scripture is the word salvation where it says take the helmet of salvation because if you've stepped into the family of God and you've made a decision to follow Jesus Christ here's what Satan can still do to you he can still take joy out of your life he can make your life hell in a lot of areas he can really mess with you but what he can't do is take your salvation away from you. He cannot snatch you out of the hands of God. Things can be difficult, can be tough to get through different things in our life, but that's the one thing he cannot snatch us away from. If you've never taken that step into God's family, we can guide you through that decision. Come and talk to me, come talk to Mark. We'd love to to talk to you about how can I get some of this armor on me so I'm better equipped in this fight. If you already know Christ, some of you need to pick up your weapons and start to fight. Fight for your kids. Fight for what's right. Fight to overcome the fear and the insecurities that come from your past. Fight because you can win. Remember this. We're all going to have battles. You may not deal with anything else we talk about in this series, but we're all going to have battles with evil. And you never go through that alone. At least you don't have to. And your prayers are more powerful than you know. So pray. Here's the great part about this this idea, this concept of evil. Here's the good part. The good part is we already know the outcome. We already know. It's like you ever DVR a game and say, don't, don't tell me the end, don't tell me the end, don't tell me, don't tell me. I didn't get to watch it. Please shut up. Don't tell me. You won't listen to the radio. You got it. You know, you just, you you know, get really upset if somebody told you. Well, we know the end. We already know how it ends. If you just read the book of Revelation, a very confusing book to read, a book that has very honest God-following people, 
having very different opinions about it. But here's the big. Here's my deep theology about the book of uh, book of Revelation. We win. All right, we win. I don't know if if it's going to go this road or that road. I don't know which road because there's the the interpretation of that book is open to a couple different views. But I do know at the end we win. So when we fight evil, we're not fighting for victory. We already know the end, so we're fighting from a position of victory. In in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, he says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. So if you're a follower of Christ and his Holy Spirit has come to live in your life, He's greater than the one that's in control of the world, Satan. So we already know, we have at our disposal the power to win. See, I've just shared with you some plays from a very predictable being's playbook, Satan. And also shared with you that we are guaranteed victory over evil. Even though bad stuff might happen, we are guaranteed an ultimate victory over evil. Listen, what Je- after Jesus said, uh, this thief, Satan, he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And then he says the second part, that when I read it, before I knew Jesus, as a young college kid, when I opened this book up and I read John 10, especially the second part of verse 10, I said, I want that. And that's when Jesus says, I've come, you can have life, and you can have it to the full. A lot of you right now are not living full lives, and you can. A lot of you right now are haunted by something, and you don't have to be. Because Jesus said your life can be full. This week, in all areas of your life, get on Jesus' team, and you'll be on your way to fighting a spiritual battle that you can't win otherwise. So when you feel haunted by something, remember... The one in me, if I'm a follower of Christ, is greater than the one in the world. I hope you come back next week and hear part two of this series called Haunted as we talk about being haunted by our insecurities. God, thank you for your word. And God, may it be deep in our hearts. And Father, when the evil one tries to snatch your word away from us, And get us to believe we're worthless or get us to believe that we're invincible. That we will see through that to the truth. That we are loved by you. And you are our God. And you will never let go of us no matter what happens in our life. That Satan can never snatch us away from you. I pray this in Jesus' name.